And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning. Welcome to Wednesday's edition of, well, it's The Real Investment Show. That's right. Uh, that means Danny Ratliff will be here today. And we're going to get into all kinds of uh, stuff that we got to talk about. Actually, we do have to get into some interesting things. Uh, they have now passed the the Reform Act for retirement, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Also talk about the recent tax adjustments, some of the things that are in there that are coming down. Potentially, now this is the budget that will never go anywhere. Remember, every, every year the president has to propose a budget. We just don't ever do anything with it since 2008. So. I don't know. Maybe this will be a year that we actually pass a budget. You think we, we, we have odds no. on that? No, no odds. Yeah. Not not with that guy. Not, not with any guy. <laughs> Trump didn't do it. Uh-uh. Bush didn't do it. Well, mm-hmm. Bush did it. Bush was the last president to actually pass a budget. Right. So that was it. And you see how well that worked and, out. But it doesn't matter. We just keep spending money. So <laughs> exactly. this, this is the whole thing. And, and again, we you know it's it's interesting because we passed these tax increases, right? We're going to tax the rich. Mm-hmm. They already pay ninety percent of all the taxes, but let's tax them some more. What the hell, <laughs> right? But you don't even raise enough money to cover the increase in spending. Last year's budget was about four point five trillion dollars. This one's five point eight. They're going to raise three hundred sixty billion in new taxes over a decade. That doesn't even that doesn't even, the next decade of tax increases won't even cover this year's spending increase. I mean, it's just. And already over 100 cents on the dollar goes to mandatory spending, which is Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, prescription drug benefits. Thank you to the Affordable Care Act. And, of course, interest on the debt, which is now going up, by the way, because interest rates are going up. I call it the hip-hop rapper budget. Yeah, exactly. It's but ludicrous. I don't know who it is, but, again, I want to thank you for... Ah, more York patties. Yeah, so, yeah, somebody, we were talking about this yesterday. My one vice in the world is York peppermint patties, so... <laughs> I don't know who keeps sending me these, but keep doing it. I, 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 you should at least stick a note in so I can thank you for doing it. But hey, you're you're my hero. That's enough so, for the whole office. Yeah, I don't share. This is when you have only one vice in the world. You can you, no, no. You right? Yeah. yeah, just you can drool over this. I'll get but, my own. Yeah, I'm not sharing. Right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's like you sharing your Black Death coffee. Or, I do. Or you do not. Yes, I you do. You have your own little stash of black, de- what is it, black, death wish. Death wish. Death wish. You're confusing it with black, black powder. Yeah. Black rifle. Yeah, yeah. Right? See, we should start our own coffee brand, black death. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good marketing term, right? Black drink, death drink coffee. black death coffee. <laughs> or send it to friends you don't really like. It's <laughs> All right. Mike, enough messing around this morning. Uh, I'm still not sharing, so don't even think about it. All right. But thank you for the bit baddies. Uh, yesterday, market continued to rally again as, again, not surprising. We've been talking about this for the last you know couple of weeks that we're going into quarter-end rebalancing. Uh, a lot of mutual fund managers talked about this yesterday. Very underweight, needed to have that rally. Yesterday's rally was courtesy of news that well, Russia might be withdrawing some troops from Kiev. Maybe this is a first sign that we're going to have maybe a movement towards some peaceful resolution of all of this. Turns out overnight, no, they're just repositioning troops at this moment. So again, doesn't really seem to be any, any real progress at the moment towards any type of peaceful outcome. 
at least in the near term. And again, look, this is one of those things that is going to work itself out. And we're going to get past this eventually. And markets are trying to price some of that in right now. But we had talked about you know, earlier that all we needed was a little bit of good news for a rally. And we've had that. Now, here's the important thing. This rally is now a 10% rally in just a couple of weeks. This is one of the largest rallies since 1932. If you go back and look at all the bear markets in history, there's been about 11 real bear markets in history going back to the 1930s. This is one of the largest rallies in a bear market going back to 1932. Now, this is assuming, of course, that we're in a bear market. So you can make the argument, well, we're not really in a bear market because we're not. The markets really never got down more than about 10, 11, 12%. But here's the point about this. You only see these types of very strong counter trend, what we call short covering rallies. And we wrote about this yesterday on our website in, in an article called Bear Squeeze. You only see these types of rallies during bear markets, right? So normally when you see these big reflexive rallies, and, and, and again, as we had talked about previously, it wasn't surprising this would happen, but there was so much negative sentiment going into February, after we had the correction in January, people were negative, right? It's like, oh my gosh, we've had a 10% correction. I'm losing all my money. February gets worse because of the Russian invasion. So we had so much negative sentiment. We said, hey, not surprising you're going to get this kind of reflexive rally. Now, it was even bigger than we expected. But nonetheless, that's where we are. Now, the important thing here, though, is that volume on this rally is dropping sharply. And that means that we've all that fuel that was really kind of built up here around the, the recent lows, particularly uh, the day of the Russian invasion, a lot of cash sitting there. All that fuel has now really been utilized at this point on this rally. So we're, what we're seeing is, is we're seeing, of course, a lot of retail traders chasing those meme stocks of fame and fortune, right? GameStop, AMC, uh, a lot of these really beaten up ARK type funds. Even look, even the fabled ARK has finally plugged the leaks. <laughs> And in, 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 uh, Kathy Wood's fund, that's that fund has been going up here lately as well. But again, we're kind of seeing money going back to chasing risk. So it's this kind of risk on environment for equities. Want to be, I want you to be a little bit careful of this. Markets are extremely overbought now. We're now back to being two standard deviations above the 50 day moving average. Now, again, technical mumbo jumbo. Don't worry about it so much other than to understand that this has been a very big rally. And we went from having, you know, using that rubber band analogy we so often resort to, going back to where the rubber band was extremely stretched to the downside is now extremely stretched to the upside. And as physics would state, right? And this is the beautiful thing about the rubber band analogy for talking about markets. Physics states that if I stretch rubber band in one direction, as far as I can stretch it and I let it go, the rubber band will, will rebound an equal and opposite distance uh, in, in the opposite direction, right? So it'll go just as far as I stretch it on one side. The initial snapback will be equal to the amount of the stretch that I let go to begin with. And that's exactly what happened. We had a market that was deviated to the downside. We've now had that reflexive rally back up an equal distance in the opposite direction. So again, not saying that this is we're, we're about to go back into a major crash, not saying anything like that at all, but this is probably about the bulk 
of the rise that we're going to get at least near term. And it doesn't mean that we can't just chop around here for a couple of weeks, get into April and then make another advance higher. Certainly could. And also, too, because of where we are right now, there is a reasonable possibility that markets could go a bit further here over the course of the next few days. We still have a couple of days left for quarter in rebalancing. Friday is April the 1st. We typically see money being put to work at the first of a new quarter. So again, there's some reasonable upside here that could very well, and this is something that we said previously, is that we could challenge the previous highs in the markets, which going back to January, we're not that far off of the highs from January, all-time highs for the market. We could challenge those all-time highs and not change the tenor of the overall market. We can still be in a correctional market that is just traveling sideways for several months, working off some of those extreme overbought conditions from 2020, 2021. So again, a challenge of all-time highs, certainly not out of the question. We will need a confirmed breakout to new highs to ensure that we're now back into a bull market. If we get there, we'll tell you. Be right back after the break with Daniel Ratliff. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. There's a war being waged on your retirement dollar. And unless you act now, you'll lose the battle with inflation, higher taxes, and a lower standard of living. You can blunt the effects of rising prices with our next workshop on combating inflation in retirement. April 2nd at the Embassy Suites Houston. Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff will help you fortify your life savings, make the most of Social Security, and lower your taxes. Register now for this free workshop at realinvestmentadvice.com. Combating inflation in retirement with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. By the way, I got in trouble yesterday. Oh? Yeah. With your bride? I did. <laughs> She was driving to work. Actually, I should probably save the story for the 6.30 break because she drives to work in the morning at 6.30. She, and, and, my, and my wife works literally right above my desk mm -hmm. in, in our office building. Her office is one floor up from where we are. God hates me. I thought I felt, <laughs> I thought I felt the temperature drop <laughs> perceptibly. No, no, but she just wanted to inform me when I got home last night that we've been married... 11 years. Ah, so, yes. Yeah. This is our 11th anniversary. I said 12. I, you know, it feels like an eternity at this point. So, <laughs> hey, I'm with you. I think we're 11 in three weeks. No, a little longer yeah. than that. Yeah. yeah. So, our, yeah, I at least know the date of our anniversary. So, that's, that's the important thing. <laughs> yeah. Doing something right. If you if you get one tattoo, that's the one. <laughs> that's the one to get. Why do you have that on your on right your there. on your wrist? <laughs> so I won't forget. I had a buddy of mine that actually got that got married on his birthday. Yeah, and I was like, "That's genius." Yes. <laughs> it's a sacrifice, but it's worth it. It is for you. Never forget. Or it's like it's like getting married on Valentine's Day. Right. Yeah. Get married on a holiday. That way you never screw mm -hmm. up. Just yeah. see, I have you beat. So my wife's birthday, then our wedding anniversary, well, and then Mother's Day and our wedding anniversary all within a week. Perfect. <laughs> One gift. <laughs> <laughs> see, I don't get away with that. So I have my wife's birthday, uh -huh. December the 1st. Okay. Then I have Christmas, 
Then I have Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's just I hate the first quarter of the year. <laughs> That's the one thing that, that we have done well is we don't celebrate Valentine's Day. So. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Valentine's Day every day in the Ratliff household. We don't uh, need, that's, I need think one that, day. Dude, I think that's awesome. And if I could figure out a way to manipulate that in my household, I would do the same. <laughs> Honey, every day's your birthday. Hey, HEB has nice <laughs> discounted flowers mm-hmm. once a week. Go yeah, in. Yeah. You don't need to spend. That's they're ridiculous. They're a little brown and wilted, but they're nah, discounted. They're good. The cheap ones <laughs> last the longest, I have found. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, four, they're called weeds. Four dollar bundle <laughs> lasts two weeks. Yep. So, anyway, a uh, couple of things to talk about this morning. The biggest risk to the markets right now, um, of course, is kind of really who you ask, and this is, you know, the big issue as we've been talking about the last couple of days. This market rally, not surprising, and the issue is now what happens next, right? This is this is kind of the big thing. And, you know, what's the big risk to the markets? Because right now, as we were talking about this morning, got a huge rally going on. This is great, right? You're up 10%. This is one of the largest bear market rallies since 1932. And if you take a look back at all the, the major kind of bear markets going back to 1932, this is one of the largest rallies. Now, of course, you have to, as I said in, at the opening of the show, you have to assume we're in a bear market. There's no assumption of that just yet. There's no indication that we're in a bear market. We haven't, we're not down 20%, even though that's like an arbitrary measure of a bear market. But there's no indication that says we're in a bear market. However, this type of rally is only seen in those type of bear markets. You don't see 10% rallies in two weeks during a healthy bull market. That's the point, right? So, of course, this really comes down to now what is, you know, the the biggest risk here going forward. Is it Russia-Ukraine, right? And, and there's, a big, there's a big reality that the Russia-Ukraine invasion has already been priced into the markets, for all intents and purposes. The markets know that this is going to get resolved. Now, that could change. Obviously, if somebody throws a nuke off at somebody, then that's going to be very a very different outcome for markets. Um, you know, interest rates, Fed policy, those are risks. And those are risks that have not likely been baked into the market entirely because markets really don't understand dynamics of how far or how fast the Fed is going to go. We can make some assumptions. But what we don't know and what markets can't price in is what is the point that you get to that the Federal Reserve breaks something. And see, we don't know where that is. Nobody does. We have inflation that is tightening monetary policy right now. Cost of goods are going up. Cost of gasoline is going up. If you drive from here to Austin, it's, you know, $5,000. (laughs) But also, as we start digging into the other aspects of the of the markets and the economy, right? Housing, housing prices are pushing records right now. People are lining up down the block to buy a house, you know, in California, that type of thing. Energy prices are going up. Food costs are going up. See, these are all tightening monetary policy. This is all impacting consumers and their ability to spend money. They have less money to spend, even though they get paid and those payments are higher, 
because they've gotten a raise or whatever it is. It's still not keeping up with the cost of living. So there's the real issue. And the problem is, is we don't know at what point that the Fed starts hiking rates and all of a sudden it just completely stops the economy. And that's the big risk. And that's what the yield curve is trying to tell us right now. And again, now, now again, there's a lot of people focusing on the yield curve. And the one thing that bothers me, well, I shouldn't say it bothers me. Danny bothers me. <laughs> I'm doing something right. <laughs> but the one thing that bothers me is that everybody's talking about the yield curve. When everybody's talking about something that's generally not the risk you worry about, the things that you worry about in the markets, nobody was expecting a Russia-Ukraine you know, war to break out, right? That's that unexpected exogenous event. The, the, the yield curve is telling you, all the yield curve is telling you, the yield curve isn't telling you we're going to be in a recession. That's not what the yield curve is telling you. That is a wrong statement by the media. What the yield curve tells you, especially when it's inverting, is that there's the economy is prime. There's something wrong economically. There's a fragility to the economy. That's all it's telling you. And that if you have some expected, unexpected exogenous event that, that all of a sudden shifts sentiment and psychology and spending, you're going to have a recession. That's all it tells you. It just tells you the bridge is very weak. Be careful crossing it, right? Danny walks across it. He's just fine. Brent rides his bike across it. He's just fine. Somebody drives their car across it and it collapses because it's just a little bit too much weight. That's all the yield curve tells you. But I think we've already seen that that damn break, so to speak. I mean, mortgage refinance demand plunges 60%. We're getting numbers. That, and, and so this is going to well, be indicative of other issues. Yeah, so, it is. Because people are, look, we saw debt has increased mm -hmm. just since December. So we're seeing, you know, the last six months, debt's increased, credit card debt has gone up all-time highs. We saw a 32% well, increase. Yeah, We've of seen, course. You well, can't make ends meet. But here's the other Inflation. aspect. People have also been able, because of, of their home prices, they've been able to take that equity out. And it's made a lot more sense. Refinance debt. You consolidate credit cards, things of that nature. Now wait, you're wait. not going to have the ability to do so. Wait, you mean you or it's going to be that more expensive. Wait, you mean you don't refinance at a higher rate? That, oh, that doesn't make sense? <laughs> Yeah, no, this is this. Yeah, uh, the, the mortgage, but no, this is this is part of it. Yeah, that's the mortgage refis, those type of things that, you know, again, increases the credit card debt. Not surprising at all. Right. Correct. The but these are the things that are going to be that the person walking across the bridge, the bike that, you know, it's just going to get yeah. bigger and bigger. It's the and, and as you're is, walking across, like, you know, supports are falling off the bridge and, you know, it's a, you, know a, you know, your foot falls through it because the, the wood's rotten. But it doesn't mean the bridge collapses. And again, and to your point, Danny, you're absolutely right. These are all the signs. And the Correct. yield and what the yield curve is doing is factoring in all of these signs. It's telling you. All the yield curve tells you, and again, this is the big mistake. And everybody's, you know, I saw I probably saw no less than 25 articles yesterday. Because the yield curve inverted for like two seconds yesterday on the 10-year, two-year. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, yield curve signals recessions coming. No, it's just telling you that the economy is primed to have a recession. you got to have a trigger. And historically, one does follow, but when? Nobody yep. knows that answer, right? Right. Well, and this and is, it can this, go on for much longer than people can expect. Absolutely. And look, we had an in, a good example, right? Probably one of the best examples of recent history. 2019, we have an inverted yield curve. We're talking about it on the show. Everybody's saying, ignore the yield curve this time. It doesn't matter. 2020, March we're in a, a, the deepest recession since the Great Depression. 
Now, how did the yield curve know that we were going to shut down the economy due to a pandemic? It didn't. But what the yield curve was telling you is that the economy was prime for an, for an economic shock that would create a recession. If the economy had been running at 6 or 7% and things were healthy and we didn't do stupid stuff economically as we consistently do, there's a real potential that you know, we could have weathered the pandemic without going into a recession. And the yield curve would have told us that. But the, the, the shutdown of the economy was the unexpected exogenous offense where everybody went, whoa. But isn't it interesting that, that everybody it. glosses over that the actual we had economic issues prior to the pandemic? It was yes. just a pandemic that caused it. Nothing else. I mean, everybody else was healthy. Everything was strong. But in here we are once again where historically a rising rate environment is not actually a bad thing. Markets typically respond well, at yeah. least initially. But we've had some type. Usually there is always some artificial stimulation to promote that organic growth over time. We haven't had that organic growth. It's been all stimulated by by stimulus. That's right. To one monetary or fiscal policy to one one end or the other. Well, and this is why we now have inflation because you had, you know, 5 trillion dollars worth of liquidity shoved into the system at a time that you had no economic production. What? <laughs> Surprise. You know, you get inflation. Mm -hmm. You know, and and the problem now is is there's no liquidity. And as you talked about, and this is what we had talked about, uh, you know, earlier in the, this year is that as soon as this liquidity runs out, all those excess savings, all of that extra, extra, extra that we had running around was immediately going to result in everybody turning back to credit card debt to make ends meet because all that liquidity is gone. And now once they tap out their credit cards, where do they turn to next? As Danny said, I can't go re I can't go cash out my, my house, right? Not unless I want to refinance up in rates and I can't afford that either. It's a problem and it's coming. Just want to be careful and pay attention to it. And it doesn't look, doesn't mean go hide all into cash and do those type of things. That's not what we're saying. Just saying we're paying attention to this for you. Be right back after the break. The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. There's a war being waged on your retirement dollar. And unless you act now, you'll lose the battle with inflation, higher taxes, and a lower standard of living. You can blunt the effects of rising prices with our next workshop on combating inflation in retirement. April 2nd at the Embassy Suites Houston. Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff will help you fortify your life savings, make the most of Social Security, and lower your taxes. Register now for this free workshop at realinvestmentadvice.com. Combating inflation and retirement with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. You know, Senator Elizabeth Warren just can't stop putting her foot in her mouth. This morning, she calls she calls out on Elon Musk. She says he didn't make Tesla on his own, right? He had to have government support mm. to it. Now, that, now there's a there's a point to this because we provide tax incentives for people to buy Teslas. Well, there were subsidies for quite a quite a while That's before correct. he actually was profitable. That is correct. And so, yes, there are subsidies that will help a buyer 
buy an electric vehicle, but that doesn't necessarily mean he didn't build the company on his own. And what's more important is that this guy just paid more taxes than any other person in human history from selling his own stock. So what exactly do you want from him, Miss Warren, right? Oh, they want quite a bit more, Lance. I understand that, but he paid $11 billion worth of taxes. And, you know, this is in spite of the fact that, you know, all these senators and congressmen are saying, the rich don't pay their fair share. He's paid more <laughs> than any other human in history in terms of taxes in one year. She wants a scalp. Yeah. I'm just going to let that one lay right, right there. Uh, <laughs> speaking of, I'm still very upset about 1883, but why? Speaking of scalping. It was, a, it was a great series, yes, and it ended terribly. So that's all I'm going to say about yeah, it. It was a downer. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Danny, good morning. How are you? Morning, great. I haven't given you much room to talk this morning. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I've been on rants all morning. Hey, I, so. I, I enjoy them, so it's 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 great. Um, real quick here, you have a event coming up Saturday. We do combating inflation in retirement. So obviously right now inflation is a big pressure for many households. So we're going to talk about strategies that you can utilize now to one, keep more money in your pocket Two, to how do you invest? What do you do in this environment? I think that's extremely important. And so go sign up realinvestmentadvice.com. We do have a handful of spots left. Not many, so uh, realinvestmentadvice.com. This is a live event. <laughs> I was going to so, say, make sure you... Not a webinar. Um, so if you have signed up and you are not here locally, you will be thoroughly disappointed. Now, we are looking at some point maybe to try to figure out a way to uh, to cater to you know folks that aren't, aren't here locally. But we are doing this live in Houston. It is at I-10 and Beltway 8. We'd love to have you guys out. First live event in some time, so... Uh, we're really excited about this one. So yeah. lots of good questions. Really, um, you know, it, it's just an interactive event. So, yeah. you know, no carrot at the end of it. Usually people say, what are you guys selling? It's like, it's, it's just our expertise. So we enjoy what we do. We hope to hopefully empower you and your retirement and what you guys do. And uh, so go sign up, realinvestmentadvice.com, this Saturday, 9 a.m. at the Embassy Suites in Houston at I-10 and Kirkwood. Yeah, now we do have, we, we are you know, I've been in the process of rebuilding our studio now for the last year mm -hmm. because of a shortage of parts. But part of our rebuild is a unit that we will be able to start streaming live events for all of our customers and clients and individuals that follow us out of state. We certainly want you to be able to participate in these live events as well. So we will be solving that issue yep. sooner than later. Yeah, so, so it'll be good. But, you know, speaking about taxes, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there. New legislation. Um, actually about three things that they're throwing around right now. You know, if you woke up, I think it was Tuesday night or Tuesday morning, you woke up to news that Senator Manchin's actually on board with potentially raising taxes. Mm -hmm. You have President Biden has a new billionaire's tax, which is actually not just a billionaire's tax. Womp womp, right? Everybody's real surprised on that mm -hmm. one. So we do have to be cautious here. Speaking of, you know, billionaires, you know, one thing they're looking to do is actually impose a new minimum 20% tax on billionaires because they have too many unrealized gains. So if they're not paying at least 20%, they're going to increase that minimum tax to 20%. And I think this is going to be the interesting thing, Lance, and think about this. I know CPAs are, and accounts are licking their chops right now. How are you going to actually keep up with taxing unrealized gains on a regular basis? Well, this is, and there, there's two things to that, right? Correct. So for, you're correct. The first thing is, is how do you keep up with capital gains? Now, certain things are pretty easy. What, what was your cost basis um, you know, as of January the 1st? What's your 
price as of the end of the year on liquid traded stocks. So do you get unrealized losses too, though, on the opposite end? That's the other problem. But the other side of this is houses are very subjective, Mm -hmm. right? Um, How do you appreciate house or real estate? Those are very subjective terms. I mean, look, eh, who do you not know that doesn't combat their price appraisal with a senior account? I talk to people daily. Right, right. So house price increases are very subjective so how are you going to use that the appraisal value that's not really fair because that doesn't necessarily since they just automatically increase that appraisal value that doesn't really reflect the appraisal or the real value of the increase in your house so there's lots of problems with this the second thing though is that you need to be aware of is this opens the door yeah it's only for people making over 100 million dollars so that doesn't really affect me or danny or, or or well brent maybe next year but um you know it doesn't really affect us but that opens the door to say, well, you know, now we're going to increase that capital gains tax on people making 50 million or more. Oh, 10 million or more. Oh, five. Million. Now it's on everybody, right? And all of a sudden, unrealized capital gains become taxable for everybody. So this is a very slippery slope that you're potentially opening. Now, the good news about all this is that this is in Biden's budget proposal, which will go nowhere. It's DOA. It's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's done. So the reality, though, is that, you know, this is the type of stuff getting lofted out there with midterm elections coming up. Ain't nobody. And that is grammatically correct in this situation. Ain't nobody going to be voting on any of that stuff prior to midterm because they want to get reelected. Now, depending on how the outcomes of the midterms go, if Democrats retain control, maybe it's a risk for next year. But I wouldn't worry. Yeah, about Yeah, I agree. Year. I think next year is probably more, you know, we have to be more cautious with. But that should <laughs> speed up the process and everybody's thinking on, okay, hey, you know, last year a lot of people were, were saying, well, now I should maybe do the Roth conversion. You know, mainstream media actually caught up and said, hey, you know, it was everywhere. We've been talking about this for years, and it was something that everybody just said, ah, oh, yeah, you know, pre-tax, put everything pre-tax, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And that verbiage is now beginning to change. And I think that, you know, we thought that when they didn't get this done, we said, well, maybe we have till 2026 when this current tax code sunsets and we revert back to the old one. And even then, we still have some wiggle room because now they're talking, you know, inside this billionaire's bill, if you make over 450000 as married filing jointly, 400 single, you're going to actually have an increase in taxes. They slip this in from going from 37% to 39.7. So that's, you know, it's not inconsequential by right. any means. Yeah. Now, you know, we've talked about a lot of things like, uh, you know, big word or lots of people have always been concerned about Roth IRAs. Roths are going away. Uh, what, what's going to happen when they eliminate the Roth? Well, interesting, Secure Act 2.0 just passed the House. And the big news and in, in what the headline is, is that RMD age, which Secure Act 1.0, moved that from 70 and a half to 72. Well, now they're going to move that to 75, but they're going to graduate that, scale that in each year over a, a, a period of time. Another thing they're doing, Lance, is so currently the maximum you can put into a, uh, a 401k is $20,500 for an individual under 50. Now, you get a catch-up provision of $6,500 if you are under, or excuse me, if you're over 50 years old. They're going to actually increase that potentially by $10,000. But here's a caveat. Those increases now are going to go into a after-tax, like a Roth account. So now what they're doing is they're going to actually tax you on these funds. They, they estimate this is going to actually increase um, revenue, tax revenue for the government by $36 billion over the next decade. So instead of you putting these funds pre-tax, eliminating that, being able to put more funds aside, you're actually going to have to, any of these additional catch-up will go to the Roth. 
Now, they're also talking about making employer contributions go to the Roth as well. So everybody who's thought about, well, Roth is dead, I don't think that's the case because they need money now. And they're going to do all they can to get it. So as they're doing, they're you know, trying to tax unrealized gains. This is another avenue, another way for them to actually potentially get in here and say, hey, you're going to still be able to put funds aside, but we're going to tax you, uh, tax these funds right now. And that could be even more problematic if taxes go up. Um, you know, and so I think this is a good thing. You know, we've encouraged a lot of people to start utilizing the Roth 401ks, Roth IRAs, backdoor Roth, do Roth conversions. You know, we like Roths. Um, but you need to use them properly. You need to understand uh, the limitations that they may have, the time constraints that you must remain in them. You also need to understand, um, you know, how do you make distributions later in retirement? And this is going to be a big thing, having those multiple avenues. And we're going to talk about some of that this weekend as well at our event, realinvestmentadvice.com, go sign up, about how to make these distributions to be extremely tax efficient, and not just now, but potentially for these higher taxes in the future. You know, we're spending a lot of money in many different areas. I know everybody's concerned about the debt and deficits that we see. And this is going to only be a problem until they raise taxes. And at what point do they do so? And what point does that really well, start to impact your cash flow, right? Yeah, well, let me also bring up one other thing here real quick is that, you know, all these ideas are great. Billionaire's tax, we're going to raise oh, yeah. $360 billion in new revenue over the course of the next decade, $36 billion a year. You're going to, you know, tax individuals more for saving for their retirement. That's awesome. You're going to raise $3.6 billion a year over the next decade. The problem is, is that prior to 2020, we were spending about $4.7 billion-ish, $4.6 billion-ish annually for the federal expenditures. Now, of course, we were only bringing in about 80% of that in terms of revenues to start with. But we're now talking about a new budget that's $5.8 trillion, and you're talking about, you know, this is like a, a California wildfire here, and you're trying to put it out with a squirt gun. I mean, yeah. the, you're, these raising of taxes is ridiculous compared to the amount of just spending excess on things that make no sense whatsoever, right? Again, you know, I don't mind paying taxes, but do your job in Washington and stop spending as much as you're spending on wasteless and pointless items. Like, why are we still spending $19 billion a year on TARP from 2008? Well, they're, they're basically <laughs> saying they can spend your money better than you. Well, with that, we're going to go to break. And I'm going to punch Danny and we'll be right back <laughs> on The Real Investment Show. Don't go away. news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. There's a war being waged on your retirement dollars. And unless you act now, you'll lose the battle with inflation, higher taxes, and a lower standard of living. You can blunt the effects of rising prices with our next workshop on combating inflation in retirement. April 2nd at the Embassy Suites Houston. Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff will help you fortify your life savings, make the most of Social Security, and lower your taxes. Register now for this free workshop at realinvestmentadvice.com combating inflation and retirement with Ratliff and Rosso realinvestmentadvice.com The Real Investment Show
So welcome back to the show this morning. Just for the break, talking a little bit about taxes and, you know, they're not going to go anywhere, by the way. These are just proposals from the White House that are going to be DOA because we, we haven't passed a budget, right? We haven't passed a budget since Bush was in office. So unlikely we're going to pass one this year, particularly heading into midterm elections, which are already going to be contentious as it is for Democrats. But I just want, and so I was just making this comment about how much we spend versus how much we actually bring in terms of revenue. Um, so for 2020, we don't have the 2021 uh, receipt numbers just yet. So we'll know those here shortly uh, once we file taxes. But so looking at 2020 as an example, we spent $6.79 trillion. That's what we spent. Now, just, Danny, just, you know, we spend more than we bring in, of right? Course. But just give me a ballpark. What do you think we brought in in terms of receipts? And 2020, which, by the way, was only slightly lower, right? You'd expect, well, we were in a major recession, right? The receipts were only slightly lower. I mean, very slightly lower than they were in 2019. So what we bring in, 60% of that? How good are you at math? Not that great. 2020 receipts were $2 trillion. $2 trillion. On $6 trillion worth of so so almost, third, almost, almost $7 trillion in spending. It was six point seven trillion in spending and two point oh five trillion in revenue. So we're spending more money <laughs> by triple the money the amount that we're of what we in. bring in. Exactly. Yeah. And mind you now, of course, that two trillion dollars only doesn't even cover prescription drug benefits, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, and interest on the debt. It takes more than 100 cents on the dollar just to cover those. And I know Danny and Richard are big fanatics that, you know, somehow Social Security is going to always be there and be funded for you. It's a it's $120 trillion unfunded liability. So you do the math. You're bringing in two, you're not even bringing enough in revenue to fund those. Oh, you're trying to fight today, aren't you? I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling feisty. I got peppermint patties I this morning. Tell. Did you see that? I know. <laughs> Stop. Whoever's doing this, please. You're fueling the monster. <laughs> So, no, but but that is a good point. Look, it, and here's the deal: we saw this after the 2008 recession, and Europe had a very different take as far as how they treated it versus the U.S. They tried austerity, and they went into a double dip recession, whereas you know we didn't, and we can't ever do that. Right. Well, because what happens if we do? We we go into a recession, and guess what? Was it a recession or is it something bigger? It, it's okay. See, this is the whole problem. See, the the pro the way we got into this mess. Yeah was by not having to pay for the consequences Correct. of getting this mess, right? And then the consequences get greater and greater the longer you kick the can down the curve. Exactly. Recessions are not a bad thing, yeah. right? And if you, ha if you let the economy have recessions, in 2008, as an example, if we would allow the economy to function, we wouldn't have five banks making up 60% of our banking industry. The economy would be healthier. People would have filed bankruptcy. Yes, it would have been terrible. People would have lost more of their jobs. It would have been horrible for a couple of years. It would have been terrible. But today, it was already bad. It was already bad. But today, we would be much healthier. We locked people into their houses, right? So when we did all the hamps and the harps, which was the, the reconfiguring of mortgages to keep people in houses, we trapped them in areas. I lived in Detroit. You know, say I lived in Detroit. There were no jobs in Detroit, in 2008. But in order to keep my house, I had to go through Hamp and Harp. If I would allow those individuals to go through the bankruptcy process, get foreclosed on, lose their homes, they could have moved 
to another area of the country to get a job, to rent an apartment, get back on their feet, right? That's how recessions work. It cleans out that dead woods. It gets rid of the excess, and it makes the economy healthier. The problem is that we keep making things worse because we don't allow the economy to clear the excesses, and that's the ultimate problem. So when does that occur? I mean, we're not going to have an administration who will ever do that, or a politician who will vote for that, because it's not electable. And that's the problem with most of these things, and that's why nobody wants to address Social Security at the moment. It will be addressed one way, shape, or form. I mean, it's too many people rely on it for their retirement income. Right. It has to be. It will be. Uh, but, you know, this is the thing. You have you, you can make choices today mm-hmm. to start slowly fixing these things over time. So, look, I have two choices to lose weight. We were talking about health yesterday on, on the show because, you know, health is going to eat up $350,000 of people's retirement money just to pay for being in and out of hospitals, that type of thing. But I have two choices. I can make better bad choices today, right, and start getting in better shape, improving my health. I can do it slowly. I can do it at my own pace, and I can do it in a way that doesn't really impact my life terrifically, right? I just maybe have to give up eating a hamburger every now and then. Have you said York peppermint patties? Or York peppermint patties. Here or there. I mean, I don't know. It's one of those two. Could be one of those things. But the other choice is, is I can keep doing what I'm doing until – that choice is made for me because I have a major cardiac arrest. I have to go through a quadruple bypass, and I am forced onto making radical changes to my life immediately all at once because it's that or death, right? That's a horrible example to use, but you get my point. That's the way you know we have choices today that we could make, raise the retirement age, change contribution rates, change payout rates, get all the people off of Social Security that have nothing to do with Social Security, Right. Ever since the 1950s, we've been adding all kinds of people onto Social Security that don't need to be on Social Security. Get them off. Go back to what Social Security was for. It was for workers' retirements. That's what it was for. Get all the other stuff out of it. So we have these choices that we could make and eventually start to repair that process. Or eventually, as Danny points out, it'll be done for you. It's just a function of time. Well, that's right. And nobody wants to do that. Just like with anybody's own financial plan. You know, a lot of people don't like financial plans because it has a four-letter word budget within it that people think that, oh man, there's some finality here. I don't want somebody to tell me how much I can and can't spend. Well, guess what? At some point, you're going to have somebody tell you because you're not going to have the ability to do what you want if you forego right now the things you need to do. And that's the problem with, you know, politicians, the government, households, corporations. Everybody kicks Mm -hmm. a can down the rope. Debt is easy and it's been cheap. What happens when it's not? Well, and again, you know, we've also created another bad habit of moral hazard. Corporations don't need to be responsible anymore because we just saw, as a good example, in 2020, Boeing had spent five years using all their free cash to buy back shares of stock to enrich their shareholders, and I'm sorry, to enrich their enrich their executives mm-hmm. through stock buybacks. And when they got in financial trouble because of the downturn in the economy and the shutdown of travel, right? They ran to the government for a bailout, and the, bail- and the government was happy to bail them out. Carnival Cruise Lines, et cetera, so forth and so on. All these companies have spent years spending all their cash buying back shares of stock. But when it comes time that you need that cash and some fiscal solvency, they depend on the government to bail them out. And we keep bailing them out. Again, we just foster this moral hazard. If I have an insurance policy against loss, I will take the most risk possible. Right? But it's not just corporations it's individuals now i mean we're well, seeing stimulus checks that they're handing out exactly left and right 
So, you know, Richard Ross is on our YouTube channel. If you haven't ever checked that out, go check it out. The Real Investment Show. Go like it. Subscribe. Um, he says, really, what we need is an economic enema, <laughs> which, I mean, you know. It is way too early in the morning for that. Well, you know how way he starts his day. Early. I mean, it's okay. Wisdom from the mouth of Rosso. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's that's something we can maybe bypass next time no i figured you'd like that one you, you're you've been big on analogies today so i had to throw that in there nobody I wants think, it I think, you misspelled, I think you misspelled analogy in that particular case. <laughs> oh i don't know maybe maybe not at what point did you lose control of the show <laughs> about five minutes ago perfect and thank god there's only two minutes left i've done so. my job <laughs> Danny, one more time for the uh, retirement right lane coming up. Yep, so combating inflation will actually be this weekend. Uh, go sign up realinvestmentadvice.com. We're going to talk about everything, all the things you can do to keep money in your pocket, how to invest in this stage, you know, what inflation actually means, and you know, what does cash mean in it with investing? I think that's a big question we hear. Lance talks about it a lot. So we're going to get into some details on that as well. And what are the things you can do? I think this is going to be very timely. Um, lots of action items. I think everybody will take something from this. We're going to get into Medicare, uh, Social Security. We're going to get into all of these things that are important to you guys. So uh, go sign up for realinvestmentadvice.com. Love to have you there. This is a live event. So um, you know, that means in person. In person, not, yeah, very good. You it will to, not be on have, webinar. Yeah, it, it will not in your robe with a cup of coffee. Well, I may be in my robe, but and have a cup of coffee, but. Are you actually providing coffee this time, or is it basically? You know, I can't remember, Erica. How much was it this time? I mean, we, we may have been priced out. Price yeah, pri we're priced out. I think. Bring your own. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we'll have coffee. B Y O C. Instant baggies coffee. with hot water. Uh, exactly. It is getting pretty crazy. You know, the price of coffee everywhere is just oh yeah, amazingly high. That'll be the trigger for revolt. It, you're you're getting there. When people can't afford their morning brew, mm -hmm. it's going to be a problem. Yeah. So that, see that that should be your slogan. It's not good, but it's cheap. That'll be your new your new coffee brand slogan. <laughs> Our coffee tastes like crap, but it's really cheap. <laughs> Black Death guaranteed <laughs> to solve your worst problem ever for just pennies a day. <laughs> you too. I'm telling you, this is gonna be this is this is the new this is the new brand. Yeah. we're starting it. I don't know how to I don't know how to start a coffee brand, but I'm gonna figure it out. Erica, on it. <laughs> All right, uh, a couple of things just to wrap up the show here. Again, um, get by the website. Our latest newsletter is out, and this past week we covered the yield curve inversions. What does it mean, and when does it really matter? It's not the inversion that matters; it's when it uninverts that matters, and that is really the separation between where we are currently. Markets can continue to rise while you have an inverted yield curve. When they uninvert, that's when markets tend to stop rising. That's on the website now. Just click the newsletter link, realinvestmentadvice.com. Get our latest blog post and more. Michael, Michael Leibowitz's new article is out today as well. Also, register for our daily commentary and check out simplevisor.com. It's our do-it-yourself solution if you want to manage your own money. But you can also have our digital version of portfolio management through Simplevisor as well. Simplevisor.com. Check it out. It's absolutely really a very cool thing. You'll like it. Simplevisor.com. All right. That wraps up the show for the day. Danny Ratliff, thank you so much. And we'll be back tomorrow with the Thursday edition with Michael Leibowitz. And what is the Fed looking to do this year? 
nine rate hikes. Can you believe it? Talk about that tomorrow. See you then.